You're listening to Nowhere in Mulberry. Film, television, pop culture. It's where you find it. Everyone, welcome again. It's time for another Nowhere in Mulberry Nim Movie Mini. Yes, and this time we're going to go back to 1988, July 15th, 1988, that is, and we're going to see Die Hard. Yes, I am the Jaystrom, and this is Bill Mulberry Bill, to be exact. How's it going, Bill? Uh, it's going well. Now, Die Hard, that's one of those. It's one of those huge summer action movies that at the time I remember being really excited about just by seeing the uh, the Entertainment Tonight stories on like uh, Bruce Willis has paid five million to make this action movie. And I don't remember there's some kind of actors thing going on where the the studio got Bruce Willis involved because they couldn't get a big name actor at the time. And I remember it was like a some kind of record setting, like they paid him $5 million to make the movie. Because just up until that point, he was just a TV guy. He was the guy from Moonlighting. Yeah, and we, uh, that was like uh, appointment TV watching in my family. Like uh, my, dad, oh, yeah. my dad and my sisters, we'd all sit down and watch Moonlighting every week. And uh, in hindsight, I, it mostly annoyed the shit out of me at times, but... Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, because it was just the constant, constant bickering bullshit, right? But I really, I knew I liked David Addison or Bruce Willis, as he's really known. It was really that. just all about the Al Jarreau theme song, right? I love that theme song, but <laughs> I we loved Bruce Willis. We already knew that as a family. We loved, but we knew him as David Addison. Oh man, David Addison, he's going to be in a uh, an action movie. Cool, and uh, that's that's what's funny going into it is that. He was David Addison, but after the movie was over, he was no longer David Addison. He, he was Bruce Willis. Yeah, he he was John McClane. Yeah, well, yeah. And we still know him as John McClane, don't we? I mean, pretty much that character. Yeah, that yeah. I when I see him, I I almost have like well now that he's like bald and just old, <laughs> it's kind of easy not to see him as that, but right. back then, yeah. But back then, he was uh, John McClane. And another thing is, John McTiernan directed this, and I believe we knew him as the director of Predator at the time. Yes. Yeah. And I, I was, I don't even know if that was a factor in me wanting to see it, honestly. I probably just saw his name, oh yeah, I know that, I knew that is, and that was it. You know, I wasn't like... Uh, like it wasn't I was eight years old. I was clueless. <laughs> it wasn't I a didn't selling care. point. But I do have to say this about Die Hard. I remember seeing the movie in the theater at least six times. Really? I went back over and over. I remember like uh, seeing it with my dad and my family first. Like A couple of days later, seeing it with my buddy Ray. Finding another reason to go. Like, we would go several times, and I'll never forget this. This is in the summer before, I think, like, 10th grade or something. Or it might have been my junior year. And uh, I'm so bad about stuff like that. But uh, I remember it was, like, the first day of school, and it was lunchtime, and I was with my buddies Keith and Leonard, and we were, like, talking about Die Hard. And we had all seen it over the summer, you know? And it was, like, our favorite movie, and we're, like... Shit, man, we're not doing anything at school, man. What if we go see it right now? <laughs> so it was still playing like yes. three months later when school starts. Oh, yeah, it was a huge hit still. 
And I remember it was in the 70 millimeter auditorium at the UA Hewland 10. So it was like, oh, did you see it in 70 millimeter? Oh, it's still there. And so we took off from school the first day of school and we went to see Die Hard again. Again. (laughs) And sometimes when you do something like that, when the movie's over, and I'm like, Oh shit, man! What, what, why? Why didn't we go to school? What, what you guys are so lucky, though. You got to experience it on that big screen, and oh, yeah. I didn't get to see it until uh, VHS. Oh, really? Wait, I was too young to go to the theater to see an R-rated movie. Yeah. So again, this is one of those times where I've I snuck down into the family's game room and and watched a copy that my dad uh, duped. Now and we- I, you know, on our little, uh, I don't know, like thirty-inch TV, I'm sitting there watching a pan and scan version of Die Hard, eating it up. Yeah, were you, but- when it first started out, were you like fist with your toes? Uh- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Let's go ahead and go to the very opening scene of the movie. It's the airport and the airplane, and the guys like, uh, you know, you focus in on Bruce Willis, and the guys like, uh, you know, you get over jet lag. Want to know the secret to surviving air travel? After you get where you're going, take off your shoes and your socks. Then you walk around on the rug barefoot and make fists with your toes. Fists with your toes. (laughs) I know, I know. It sounds crazy. Trust me. I've been doing it for nine years. Yes, sir. Better than a shower and a hot cup of coffee. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's just like, okay, what the hell? But whenever the movie... The guy's just so eagerly uh, approach... You know, he's just like, hey... Hey, uh, I see you're uh, having some trouble there. You know what the secret is? It's like, n- did anybody ask you? Wait, I remember. Why, the, I I can remember vividly comments in the audience when seeing this movie in the theater, and I can vividly remember when you see that John McClane has his gun on the airplane. You know, you see his gun there. Hearing someone like in behind me a few rows, like, oh bullshit. Like oh, really? Yeah. like oh, <laughs> Even shit. back then? Because I I even wrote down in my notes, I was like, he has a gun on a plane. What the hell? That, that always pulls me out of the movie. I'm like, he has a gun on an airplane? And the, they show the guy looking at him like, oh, my God. It's okay. I'm a cop. Trust me. I've been doing this for 11 years. First of all, dude, I, I know he has a gun and it's kind of scary, but the plane landed. If he's a terrorist, he would have yeah. done it a long time ago. <laughs> oh, he's going to be like, now that we've landed in L.A., I've got uh, a gun. We need to refuel and take off to Venezuela. I went off first. That's why I have my gun. Oh, okay, sir. Right this way. But uh, that part always pulls me out of the movie. I don't know if you've ever been able to have a gun on the airplane no, I doubt it. In a shoulder holster, you know? And yeah, for safekeeping. <laughs> and, you know, another thing that uh, it always cracks me up, pal, John McClane, you know, he's staring at the hot chick stewardess, you know, and there's just a lot of him, like... Uh, he's Yeah, he likes to leer. He, yeah, he leers at a lot of women in this movie, doesn't he? He does. Even the... Um, you know, he gets to the baggage claim and he immediately lights up a cigarette. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is definitely the 80s. Oh, I know. When he lights up the cigarette, I'm like, oh, you can't do that anymore. Yep. <laughs> I love watching movies like this because it it, it <laughs> dates itself because of how politically correct we've become. And I don't know why I always blame Joel Silver for stuff like the gazing at the women and the smoking <laughs> the cigarettes and stuff. Because he seems kind of like 
you know, the leering type. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, the, you see the lady, the girl, like, oh, and she jumps in the guy's arm. He's like, you know, California. 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 <laughs> yeah. And I immediately think the Argyle, the scene where he walks up to Argyle and he just stands there and they look at each other. It's so <laughs> awkward. It is really awkward. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm John McClane. Yeah, I'm John McClane. Argyle, I'm your limo driver. Nice bear. Okay. Argyle, what do we do now? I was uh, hoping you could tell me. It's my first time driving a limo. Uh, it's okay. It's my first time riding in one. It's my first time riding in a limo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and another thing about Argyle, when he's like... Uh, Asking him a lot of questions. He's like, sure, ask a lot of questions, Argyle. And he's like, uh, well, sorry, man. I used to drive a cab. and uh, People would expect a little chit-chat. And I'm like, dude, what are you, like, 14? What? How did you have a career as a cab driver before this? Because he looks like he's, like, 18 years old, doesn't he? Yeah, he looks very young. So he's already had a career as driving a cab, and he's moved up to now limo driving in this uh, time. Uh, hey, well, you know. Some people are so good that they uh, they exceed at their job, and he's moved up. It almost made me wonder if the the role was written for an older guy or something. I'm sure it was. It's, it's almost what that made me feel. Like. I would love to know how old the actor was when he was in Die Hard. Yeah, because he looks pretty young. But also, we have the uh, you know they cut to the Nakatomi Plaza and you have the nice uh, the uh, little orchestra playing the string players and uh, it's a classy joint right out of the 80s the setup of uh, Holly Holly <laughs> Gennaro <laughs> at her work and the creepy Ellis hitting on her hey Holly what about dinner there huh? Harry it's Christmas Eve families stockings Chestnuts, Rudolph and Frosty, any of these things ring a bell? Actually, I was thinking more of mulled wine, a nice aged brie, and a roaring fireplace. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man. If there's a guy, like the epitome of, like, creepy, coke-fiend Wall Street type in an 80s movie, it's this guy. Yeah, totally. And I even, like, uh... I mean, it's kind of skipping ahead, but it, it's funny how they set up Ellis there, but he remains like this kind of slimy guy through the rest of the movie that they keep cutting back to. And some of it to comedic effect, which is kind of funny, you know? It's like an irritating comedic effect. Like, this guy, is he serious? Yeah, he's all like, like sweaty and stuff later. Like, he can't really like handle what's going on. But it's He's got good. way too much coke in his bloodstream. I mean, even there in his introduction, he's hitting on Holly going, hey, you know, how about my place, mulled wine, aged cheese, fireplace. Yeah. And she's and like, like, what about Christmas? Rudolph <laughs> and Frosty? It's like, I have kids. Chestnuts? Chestnuts. Is I've it, never done that. Do any of these ring a bell? Yeah. And uh, I always laugh at this when... Uh, when John McClane is in the thing with Argyle and he's like, uh, why don't you play some Christmas music? 
This is Christmas music. <laughs> Mind if we hear some tunes? Hey, that'll work. You got any Christmas music? And he plays the run DMC. And I vividly remember this. The guy like a row ahead of me in the theater kind of like shaking his head like, ah, when this starts playing. I don't know why I remember shit like that, but I do. Like, oh, man, run DMC. And then, you know, it's like, oh, this is Joel Silver, too. He's like, you got to have some black stuff in the movie. I you got to just... have some black stuff <laughs> for the black audience. That's that's why they put that in there, don't you think? It's gross culture, man. Yeah. I think they put it in there because it was a huge song back then. Wasn't that that... Uh, Christmas that... and Hollis? I don't know. That's a, that's the first time I heard it is in Die Hard. So really? then that later on... That was that on... huge album that... Yeah. With the guy that did the... Um, those paintings of like silhouetted people or right the hell was that called Ugh, doesn't matter yeah i just know where i worked at they played that cd over and over so i'd always go oh yes the die hard song yeah so that was awesome whenever i hear that it just instantly reminds me of die hard yeah same here and you know i never whenever um John McClane shows up. Are you ever put off the same way I am, where the guy's like, it'll even uh, help you take a leak or something like that about the machine? I'm here to see Holly McClane. Just type it in there. Cute toy. Yeah, you have to take a leak. It'll even help you find your zipper. He's like, cute toy about the little touchscreen TV. And it's funny when he says cute toy about it. It's like, uh, that's like an ancient thing there. Yeah, it's really ancient. <laughs> ancient touch Even back CRT. then it was ancient. Oh my gosh, a touch screen. He's like, cute toy. And he's it's like, from the future. <laughs> yeah, Mr. McLean. I, I'm thinking that John doesn't get out much. That's why he thinks it's a cute toy. Hey, he's a New York City cop. He's got perps to put away. And what does that guy say? Like, uh, if you need help, it'll help you take a leak or something. I don't remember. Yeah, it'll even help you... Go to the bathroom. Yeah, and he, just, John, just kind of looks. I'm like, uh, man, you're hilarious. Great joke. <laughs> <laughs> and I like they establish the. Uh, oh, and that's when he sees that Holly Gennaro. Jesus Christ, man, she changed her name back to her maiden name. Son of a bitch. It's all mad. I can't believe it. But they show the, the guard there. I always wonder. You know, later on, I still don't understand that part, but. They, the guard who's standing by the elevators, right? Yeah. Did the, uh, did Carl really need to slide that stun grenade around the corner? Well, he could have been a a ninja guard. Because all he had to do is go around the corner and go, but instead it's like he slides a hockey puck, a stun grenade at him. Looks like a hostess ding dong or something. It does. It made me hungry. (laughs) But I always wonder if, was that? Necessary at all. Because you would think the stun grenade thing is louder than his gun with a silencer on it. Absolutely was necessary. It's, you never know. That guy could be dangerous. And does that flashbang thing that he slides, <laughs> does it even exist in the real world? 
like that? Like that? I highly doubt it. Like it, it's like okay. It's I've a, only ever seen flashbang canisters, never yeah. a hockey puck. Here, this is a, it's a. It looks like a hostess ding dong, but you open it up and slide it. You can stun guards with it. Oh, cool! Just not nearly as delicious. It kind of paralyzes them where they have their arms uh, holding up, like, and they look kind of weird. But uh, yeah. I always like the way the guy's holding his arms up, like. Ah! But I'm skipping way ahead in the movie here, Bill. So <laughs> yeah, let's go back. But we're not, still, we're not. They haven't even arrived yet. But I, uh, I always wondered that was the flash grenade necessary? <laughs> <laughs> the world may never know. I think you need to ask Mr. Al. But I love when when uh, John McClane. You know, he finally he meets uh, Mr. Takagi. He seems like a great boss, doesn't he? He's a nice guy. He seems like a very nice man. And he seems to have his stuff together. It doesn't matter, like, a hundred viewings of Die Hard. It's always uncomfortable when they walk in on Ellis snorting cocaine. Snorting cocaine <laughs> in Holly's not... office. Ellis. I was just making a call. This is uh, the nurse. Oh, I want you to meet John McClane. Holly's husband. Holly's policeman. Ellis is in charge of international development. Heard a heck of a lot about you. Miss something. And then he's like, there's this pile of powder there, and he's just like, oh, let me brush that off there. Yeah. That Mr. Takagi goes, this is Holly's husband, her police husband. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, miss some. Still got some powder there. That's Why would Mr. Takagi employ that guy who's doing coke there? Is it because well, it's L.A. and everybody does it? smooth talker. <laughs> yeah. Fucking California. I love he's like when Holly shows up and she's like, oh, John. He's like, show him. Show him the Rolex. Show him the watch. <clears throat> Later. Well, go on. Show him. What are you, embarrassed? It's just a small token of appreciation for all our hard work. It's a Rolex. I'm sure I'll see you later. El, I even even my, in my notes I put that down. Wrote, Ellis is a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is. <laughs> and he calls Mister Takagi Jojo. Yeah, Jojo. So, so don't worry about it, man. And Mister Takagi tells some dumb joke. He's like, "Rolava uh, didn't work out, so we got you with tape decks." <laughs> and then Ellis goes. <laughs> He lets out like this laugh that's hilarious, like this it's coke laugh. <laughs> it's fake coke laugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, meanwhile, you know we've got John. He's visiting his wife. He hasn't seen her in a long time, and he, he there's the uncomfortable moment where he brings up about like, you know, you don't use my name my name unless you're signing checks. I guess you didn't miss my name though, huh? Except maybe when you're signing checks. I always have to go back. When I watch the movie so many times, you start to analyze things. Uh, mm-hmm. She obviously gets paid a lot of money for her job. Yeah. What is she doing signing checks with John's money? Exactly. Like Why some- is he paying child support whenever she's the director of operations for I think, a multinational corporation. Yeah. When he says that, I guess he's just being a dick. He's being yeah. an asshole. And like, even when she walks away, he's like... Way to go, John. Being an asshole. His pride is hurt, so he's just on the attack. But they they also have the whole setup of uh, Hans Gruber's bunch arriving. You know, this cool, like, intercutting of them setting up. And, by the way, this uh, I believe this is one of the first movies to do this. And so many movies copied it. The whole heist thing and the setting up and showing oh, you guys... Yeah. 
slowly taking over or something when they make their move. But the Die Hard, they kind of first did this, didn't they? Where yeah, where the, the like the the truck arrives, goes down the ramp, the sedan goes to the front door. They even have that moment where all of them come together and they're all walking at the same time together. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's uh, the shot that so many movies have done now. And I've I've got to ask you this, and I wrote this in my notes because I still don't know. It's been you know since 1988, and I've seen Die Hard a million times, right? And I'm sure you have too. Yeah. What is Carl's brother doing with those wires? <laughs> and why does he need to uh, cut a wire before Carl chainsaws them? Hey, brother. Oh, man. Yeah, I didn't quite get that. I think he's like, nine, nine, nine. <laughs> <laughs> it's but- something about the, um, uh, the security system. Like, right. he's got to feed the phone lines into a, a dead end uh, so that the the security doesn't trip or something. Uh-huh. Or it's got – maybe there's, like, a backup. I don't know. I always wondered the same thing. And he's like, nine, nine, nine. He's like – Yeah, Carl just comes in with the chainsaw. Nine, nine, and then he cuts the wire and he goes, like, oh, phew, oh, my God. Like, oh, I did it just in time. It's like, you did what just in time? What is going on in the yeah, scene? It's just a little a little brotherly. Uh, yeah, it shows that he's given his little little bro a little hard, a hard time. and you know, Oh, my little brother with his glasses. Oh, later on, I'll apologize to him. I'm Why sh- do you have your hair so short? <laughs> it should be long and luscious like mine. Don't you think Carl was thinking that? I'll buy him a beer later and I'll make it up to my little bro and everything will be fine. But nope. Yeah, we'll celebrate with our six hundred and forty million in negotiable bearer bonds. And I gotta say this, they set up that uh there's all these foreign guys, right? But they have one American black guy who's yes. like the computer genius, and he's annoying as hell, isn't he? <laughs> he is. It's the guy from he Walker Texas. He's hot Rain. shit. Yeah. He's like do 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 and he's kicking uh he's singing along while uh, kicking computer components and stuff. <laughs> But he's one of the most annoying characters in the movie. What is his name? Do you remember? I don't know. It's Hans who's always talking to him. Yeah. So I'll figure it out here. I have to bring it up here. Oh, just, is his name look. Theo? Theo. That yeah. is right. That Theo? Is- <laughs> but again, like, uh, he says something about basketball when he comes in. He's talking to... Uh, Carl. So Kareem rebounds, right? Feeds Worthy on the break, over to AC, to Magic, then back to Worthy, right? Boom! Two points. We're in. Shoot the Whenever guard. he jumps over the desk and kicks the guard's dead body out of the way. Yeah, okay. The other guard is around the corner at the elevators. Would he have heard that? Ah, probably. You hear, and then he maybe he was just busy leaning against the wall. Yeah, he's busy eating like peanuts or whatever. But uh, okay, what nobody knows about this is that guard is actually the greatest guard (laughs) ever in the history of time. So if he ever got a chance to know they were around there, he would have been over there and killed both of them in seconds. Yeah, he's a fast draw. He would have saved the day. So luckily, Carl has a hostess ding-dong stun grenade. 
and he it explodes with chocolatey goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it, the the cream filling traps your feet into the ground. You're like shit, and you can't move. And then you- I can't move, but I'm. <laughs> I'm so satisfied. But that's another thing. When you're first watching Die Hard at this time, when that stone grenade goes off, you get an idea of, whoa, this sound mix is pretty incredible. Yeah, you know? it is. Because it goes, it goes, it, it booms, and then he goes. <laughs> you know, he shoots the guy, and it's like, dude, did, did he shoot him with a blaster from Star Wars or something? <laughs> Some kind of laser gun? Cause it's the, a ray gun. Because the silencer sounds pretty badass. It's the same one. ray gun the kid had that the Al Pal killed. Right. And uh, maybe one day we'll know where to buy those stun grenades, by the way. I want to know. I want to know now. But puck, I, puck stun grenade. But I always like that moment when uh, John is in the bathroom and he calls, you know, uh, Argyle. And see, that's when he's talking to him. Remember Argyle said, hey, let me know and I'll... Uh, I'll get you a place to to stay if it doesn't work out. So he calls. Yeah, him. he says that he's going to stay in the in the garage and give him a call. Right, he's just like the greatest uh, limo driver ever, isn't he? He's concierge limo driver. So that's when the the uh, phone lines die, and it's like, oh, okay, the phone line died. So the number, music. And we determined that uh, Argyle uh, likes to uh, jam to music. He loves jamming. And drinking in the back of his limo. So that's pretty funny. Comic relief there. Maybe they'll cut back to him every once in a while. I want to know how Huey Lewis got on Hans Gruber's crew. (laughs) I was going to talk about that guy. (laughs) The the Huey Lewis henchman who isn't foreign either. He's got a... American accent. There's but one he doesn't part. need to be foreign since he just stays at the desk. Can I just say this about that guy? He is the worst actor I have ever seen in a motion picture. So bad. He is horrible. He, he has some parts in this movie that make me laugh because he's so bad and overacts just different scenes where he's supposed to look down at something. He, like, overdoes it. And I don't understand how he got in the movie or stayed in the movie. Because <laughs> he's so... I don't know how he lasts until the end of the movie. Oh, my God. He's so bad. He's the last henchman that gets taken out. <laughs> he is. He is. And there's a... <laughs> I hate to jump ahead, but... That when he looks down at the gun and then looks back up at McLean in that final scene, it's the worst acting I've ever seen. He doesn't even have any lines. No. He's horrible. <laughs> Huey Lewis sucks. <laughs> but another thing I noticed, I don't know if you noticed this, but all the computer sound effects sound like Whopper from War Games. <laughs> they do. <laughs> it's War Games sound effects. <laughs> They've got yeah, all these guns heists. and everything are great, but the computers are bad. Yeah, the computers, it's its friggin', it's Matthew Broderick's computer from his house. with his Yeah, parents. they're like, uh, whenever they first get in, they're locking it down, and Theo's locking down the elevators to like the 29th floor, locking down the building, dropping the gates on the garage, and you're just looking <laughs> at the computers and it's making that sound. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, God, that's so dated sounding. (laughs) Would it be bad if they, like, 
if there was like a fan edit or if they went back and updated the the computer screens or the <laughs> yeah, but sounds. like do that kind of fan re-edit to make it more high tech. But uh, when uh, Hans Gruber comes out, I always like how he has that book and he delivers a line about greed and. Uh, due to the Nakatomi Corporation's legacy of greed around the globe, they're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. You will be witnesses. And then he closes his book, and I'm like, did he really have anything written in there? <laughs> he, he just likes putting on a show. It's Hans Gruber, man. And he's like, it's Hans, Booby. Yeah, Booby. And when he's like asking for Takagi, I love where he walks up in Ellis's there, and he kind of goes like, no. And he kind of backs yes. away. Yes. Like, El- Ellis has to shake his head that he's not Japanese. Like, no. And he kind of backs away. <laughs> it's hilarious <laughs> the way he's like overreacting to everything. And this is the guy that uh, negotiates the million dollar deals? <laughs> yeah. In a full-on coke flop sweat. And what was Holly thinking that they could get another guy killed instead of Takagi? Because she's like, no, don't tell him who you are. Stay back. Don't stand up. Let him kill some other Japanese guy. Let that guy take a bullet. Where is Mr. Takagi? Joseph Yoshinobu Takagi. Born Kyoto, 1937. Let the guy with the big glasses do it. Is that what this is about? A project in Indonesia? <laughs> I, I noticed, like, on repeated viewings that they mention, like, Time Magazine, Forbes, 60 Minutes. There's a lot of references to things like that. Yeah, a lot. And, he, you know, Hans compliments him on his suit. And I do think that room with all the models is really cool. It is. I thought the bridge model was cool in Indonesia. Oh, that's beautiful. I always enjoyed to make models when I was a boy. The exactness, the attention to every conceivable detail. Beautiful. Is this what this is all about? Our project in Indonesia? Not develop that we not exploit it. I read the article in Forbes. But I love when all that happens, John gets away, he's barefoot. All these great scenes, you know, in this movie that they set up for later on, you know, that he's barefoot and all that. Yeah, he's sitting on the bed doing his uh, toes and fists. (laughs) Fists with your toes. I always think it's weird that scene where he doesn't know what to do and he's kind of freaking out. And he looks across the way and there's like a chick, like a hot chick talking on the phone or something. Like in the, she's like in a building away, like outside. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought maybe he was going to try to get her attention. Yeah, but instead I think it's just Joel Silver like, this is where we should show a hot chick. Well, we just, yeah, well, they had just shown a hot chick naked on a desk. Right. And she's like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Let me get my shirt on. Yeah. The way, she screams so weird, and I'm not sure it even matches what she's saying with her mouth, but it's like, ah, ah, ah. Or something like it's, that. Yeah, it does kind of sound like a, a, a whimpering dog. And all these stylish uh, bad guys are like, oh, hey, oh, oh. I use Vidal Sassoon. Yeah, they're all very stylish. Some of them are wearing, like, pretty bulky sweaters. Have you noticed that? Well, it's 80 sweaters. And yeah. it's very cold in L.A. <laughs> yeah, it's very cold in L.A. this time of year. They must have just came from Germany. So, uh, I guess... 
John, he uh, sets off the fire alarm. We've got a fire alarm. Call 911. And they, of course, they call off the, the alarm. But now here's the part with Carl's brother. And uh, <laughs> he's like, don't worry. I always think it's funny when he goes, I will not hurt you. And then he jumps around the corner and goes like, I promise I won't hurt you. Like, Dude. I think he's lying. And yeah. by by the way, when he fires that gun the first time, there's a lot of bass in that. It's like, boop, 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 boop. it sounds it looks, awesome. The sound compared to the gun just doesn't fit. <laughs> yeah, like it's just this tiny little machine gun, and, and like, it shoots <laughs> like it's a cannon. The whole living room is rattling as you're watching it. And then he his movements are kind of like the Terminator at that point. Have you ever noticed that? It very like blockish. He's like boom, boom, boom. Yeah, he's like a T eight hundred or something. But I always think it the scene where he is like, "Don't move, dickhead!" It's the police, and he goes. The the guy immediately goes to, "You will not hurt me." Drop it, dickhead. It's the police. You won't hurt me. Yeah. Why not? Because you're a policeman. There are rules for policemen. Uh, that, why would he say that? <laughs> why? I can't justify it. It, it makes no know. sense that the guy would immediately go there. That uh, you will not hurt me. Policemen have rules. And he's like, what? So I, uh, I'm like, what? So my captain keeps telling me. And then they get in their fight. Well, I guess Bruce Willis isn't in that fight, is he? Um, he's in like two or three shots of that. <laughs> because same, same with the Carl's brother. Yeah, it's uh, guys with wigs on. Yeah, Stunning well, I don't know wigs. if the Bruce Willis guy has a wig. It just he just doesn't have the same hairstyle. Right. The guy that's Carl's brother definitely has a wig. And because all of a sudden, at times, he looks like Captain Kangaroo. I'm not sure if I noticed that as much uh, in the theater, but on Blu-ray, I totally notice it. Yeah. Totally just calls attention to it. Well, and there's like they're banging each other into a wall, and then it's this rear shot where it's like, wait, that's not the same guys. And Bruce Willis looks tiny in a couple of yeah. shots. Like, and way too skinny. Yeah, it's like, oh, who's that little guy in this shot <laughs> with them? <laughs> and why is that guy wearing such a big, ugly wig? <laughs> it's like he went to Kmart and got it. And then he falls down the stairs, and I guess he breaks his neck. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Or maybe his wig got caught on something. I don't know. But I always love that line about, like, I'm the terrorist in the world, and i got to kill one with feet smaller than my sister. <laughs> that is a good line. <laughs> and then you... This is where he gets the uh, machine gun idea. Yeah, the, and now I have machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. I always thought it was weird that once he uh, sends him up the elevator, that the one lady in the, um... In the in the lobby, freaks out. Yeah, I always wonder what the hell that bitch's problem is. Yeah, I mean, come on, you're surround you're surrounded by men with guns, and you see a guy who's obviously dead in a chair. But come on, light up. It's not that bad. I'm not even sure where she's sitting, the angle she's at. She can't exactly. even see in the elevator, but she's like. Ah! Them back. It's like, shut the up, spatial <laughs> design of that whole lobby yeah. is not 
doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Yeah, totally. Oh, and may, I gotta we gotta call attention to Michael Kamen's score because it's pretty fantastic in the movie. There's a yeah. lot of jingle bells type sounds. Like I don't know how to describe it. Little bell kind of sounds. Yeah, and just the way he continuously blends different Christmas music, different bells, along with Ode to Joy. Mm-hmm. Like there's little bits of Ode to Joy spread throughout the thing. Yeah, it's really cool. And now I have a machine gun. Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. By the way, you know, Hans Gruber set the way, for, paved the way for villains after that. Oh, Got God, a, yeah. Alan Rickman is so good in the movie. He chews the scenery. Yeah, he's great. I always, It always drives me nuts, the scene. And it's funny, the audience, too, when uh, John is... Uh, Getting jerked off on the radio <laughs> with the, the dispatch lady. She's like, Attention, whoever you are, this channel is reserved for emergency calls only. No fucking shit, lady. Do I sound like I'm ordering a pizza? Well, I was, I was wondering, like, what the hell the lady's problem was. You know, he's asking for, you know, emergency channel nine, uh, terrorists have taken Nakatomi Plaza, and she doesn't take it seriously at all. She's like, call, Get on the phone and call 911. And he's like, You're jerking me off on the radio. Now send the police Sir, back I've up already ASAP. told you. This is a reserved channel. If this is an emergency call, dial 911 on your telephone. Otherwise, I'll have to report this as an FCC violation. Fine. Report me. Come the fuck down here and arrest me. The whole audience is laughing. <laughs> and that's, you know, when uh, Hans Gruber's like, The roof. Go. The roof. Go. Go. <laughs> yes. And, uh, of course, we know Carl's brother is dead, so he's really pissed, and he wants revenge throughout the entire movie. That's all he cares about. He doesn't even care about the money in the heist anymore, does he? I want blood. You'll have it. No, he just wants him dead. He wants revenge for his brother. But his brother was a dick. He was going to shoot shoot him. I mean, what He didn't he like his brother anyways. Yeah. He, he actually, gave his brother a hard time when his brother was trying to secure the phone lines. Yeah, he chainsawed his wires. Chainsawed his wires. And uh, the guy acted like he was a robot anyway. And he, <laughs> he thought, could have been. He thought he knew all about policemen's rules and he was he wrong. He was probably adopted. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is whenever we get uh, the introduction of Reginald Vell Johnson. Oh, the weather outside was frightful. Oh, yeah, because uh, she's like, that end of that scene when they, they start shooting at Bruce Willis up on the roof, and they get cut out, and she goes, See if there's a black and white that can do a drive-by. And it's just like, oh, bitch. So they send Reggie V. <laughs> The thing that always bothered me about this scene is he's in the the gas station picking up his, you know, his Twinkies for the night. Oh, yeah. Lots of Twinkies. Yeah. It looked like he picked up maybe two dozen Twinkies for the night. I love he's like, it's for my and wife. She's pregnant. I thought you guys just ate donuts. <laughs> They're for my wife. Yeah. She's pregnant. Yeah. Bag it. Big time. Thanks. Yeah, but the guy, the cashier's just as fat. I know. What the hell is the cashier giving him a hard time for? What is the cashier probably eats just as many Twinkies a night. It's for my wife. Yeah, right. She's pregnant. Yeah, right. Just bag it. Big time. (laughs) I love that it goes big big time. time. (laughs) 
<laughs> and the guy's like, <laughs> you can tell Reggie. You know what I was, uh, for the longest time when Reginald Val Johnson looks up at Nakatomi and you see the blinking lights, I thought that was muzzle flash. That's what I thought it was. But later on when you see they're driving away the news van and you see Nakatomi in the distance, you see those same uh, lights blinking. So I don't think it is muzzle flash. I think oh, okay, it's just because that's what I put in my notes. Looks up Nakatomi building and sees muzzle flash. Yeah, well, I, I always thought that for the longest time, but it's like recently, you know, I was like, wait, maybe that's just blinking lights up there. Because watch later on when... You know when uh, Thornburg is driving to the McLean residence, or oh, okay, you can see Nakatomi in the distance. You see those same bright white lights blinking. So I don't know. So, okay, well, no, it's probably for the helicopter pad. It's another question we have. But I love when well <laughs> <laughs> uh, John McLean's trying to get away from them, and that, there's some cool shooting and stuff there. You know yeah. uh, when they introduce Carl's. Uh, Machine gun, it's loud as hell. You know, yeah, when, that, th- <laughs> they're, that they're thing trading, is a cannon. Uh, McLean's trading gunfire with the other two guys while he's walking up top, you know, real slow with his machine gun. And then when he opens fire, it's like, boom, 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 boom. I always thought that was cool how loud his gun is. Yeah, I always wondered, I was like, wait, does he have a different gun? And then I. I, I remember it's um, that, like, skinny one. I can't remember what it is, but anytime I get it in a video game, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's Carl's gun. It's like, yeah, that's a badass gun. I like, because even they show him earlier on the elevator where he's putting it together yeah. on his back. I, I always like when a bad guy is, you know, piecing his gun together, ready It's to, his baby. Yeah. And they all also established the, there's, like, a pinup of uh, a nu- nude girls in the... In one of the <laughs> goes, hello, ladies. Yeah, he's like, Mary's like, <laughs> and he like touches or whatever. Is that another Joel Silver touch? We need. Yeah, to, I, get, I guess so. <laughs> Girls, John, it's Joel. I need more naked women, but we don't have a place for them. Well, just put up a, a pinup. And then you have different, uh, some great scenes of uh, him going through. Trying to get through the the that giant fan thing, <laughs> and then you know he's trying to jump to like a what would you call that like an air conditioning duct or something? Yeah, he's in. Yeah, he gets through the fan, and then he goes. He uses his gun and gun belt to uh, dangle himself to try to get to the uh, in that gigantic. I think right. that mistakenly in the in the movie, um, Carl calls it the elevator shaft, but it's a it's a heating and cooling shaft. Yeah, it's gigantic too. Yeah, it's this massive matte painting of a shaft. Yeah, there's even the part where he knocks the the screen off and you just hear it falling and finally forever you hear and he's like, Oh my god and you're like And this oh. scene still bugs the hell out of me. I guess maybe because the angles it's done at and it's done so well, and I'm I'm such a huge problem with heights uh-huh. that I my ass puckers during this scene every time. I know he <laughs> makes it. I know yeah. he's going to be okay, but just the dangling and the way it's shot. And then he, uh, I love that he falls and he grabs the next one down. You know, you know. What yeah, I mean? and this is where he crawls in and lights the lighter, right? Yeah, he does the the great line of. Come out to the coast. We'll get together. Have a few laughs. <laughs> and the uh, the underappreciated follow up. I don't let it 
TV dinner feels like. <laughs> yeah. He has some great lines in the movie. That just, <laughs> and his delivery is fantastic. Yeah, it still makes me laugh. Yeah. Except, Every time I watch it, it makes me laugh. And Carl, he saw that he lit his Zippo so he knows where he's at. Dummy. I always like there's that scene where Carl shoots up at the vent. He goes, and they show McLean just kind of looking, staring down at the bullet hole. Yeah, well, the bullet hole's smoking. It's like, <laughs> he's looking at it like, damn it. That was and he's close. not moving. Did you, when you first time saw it, thought that he got, he actually, Carl shot him and he was dead right there? No. Because he's not moving? Yeah, that, I guess that would ruin the movie, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, he got him. He's dead. And that's but I definitely thought Carl was going to find him when he started poking the duct work. Yeah, I love that he kind of gets readies his gun, and he's going to try to shoot Carl in the head like if he gets close enough. That would have been pretty sweet. But that's that would have been a quick, quick disposal of Carl. <laughs> yeah, but that's when uh, Reggie V shows up. Yes. And they all freak he's, out. He's driving this car. Stevie Wonder? Yeah, that's a great line. Stevie Wonder. You got to ha- love a Stevie Wonder joke, right? Yeah, because he's blind. But that's another thing is that, okay, I always, when I first saw it, you don't know what's going to happen. The cops have shown up. The main thing is this is a secret heist, I guess, up till this moment. You think they are terrorists in the movie, right? I always wondered what the hell did they, did John expect one cop to do? Because he even gets out and he enters the place. And this is where Huey Lewis gets some of his best acting in the movie, Bill. Evening, officer. What can I do for you? Yeah, it, it really is. He's he's, uh, he's got $20 on this game. Yeah. Oh, so, oh what is he? <laughs> Evening, officer. Like he's uh, in, uh, like has a nice southern twang. Yeah, now all of a sudden he's a southern boy. Oh, shit. Come on. I got 50 bucks bet on them assholes. And the, it always bothers me where he's like, you mind if I have a look around? And he goes, sure. And he does his hand gesture way too late. You don't mind if I take a look around, do you? Nah, help yourself. You know, where he's like, sure, have a look around. And he waves his hand. I don't, I've don't. i never noticed. Everything about this guy drives me you nuts. You have real movie. problems with Huey Lewis. I do. I hate him. He ruins Die Hard for me. He's the <laughs> worst actor I've ever seen. The thing that always gets me in Die Hard is the Asian guy. Oh, they don't give him nearly enough to do, and he's been in so many other okay. films. Is it just me, or does he come out of nowhere in the movie? Also? Well, you know, they needed an Asian man. It's like he's nowhere in the movie, and all of a sudden <laughs> he shows up again at the snack bar. And, okay, you're a terrorist with a machine gun. Why do you have to look back and forth to make sure no one notices you taking the candy? It doesn't make any sense to me, Bill. Because he feels guilty. I that scene drives me nuts too. His he should look- be he should be uh, <laughs> uh, too badass to want candy. Yeah, he's just like, oh, I'll get in trouble if they see me taking this Kit Kat or whatever. Oh, Snickers looks delicious. Yeah, but just the way he looks around like he's a kid about to get in trouble drives me nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but I love that, and uh, you know when he shows up and he's like, how the hell is this? And Reggie V takes off. But he's so close, just around the corner, he almost got taken out. Yeah, another stun grenade. would. T- <laughs> yes, another hockey puck. Roll up, roll Except Reggie, Reggie would have put it in his mouth thinking it was a ding-dong before... He was like, he- it's for my wife. Yeah, right. Boom! <laughs> just bag it for me. Big time. Big, big time. Yeah. <laughs> But I love when he's leaving. Oh, th- this is the coolest part is that uh, McLean starts smashing the window. 
And then the spotter up on the roof, he's like, uh, wires them, and the guys run down. The guys with the bushy sweater, the big puffy uh, white sweater runs down there. It's just the holiday sweater. Yeah. And that's this is my one of my favorite parts in the whole movie when... Uh, hey, motherfucker, jump it! Put that fucking gun down! Put the gun down, okay? Put it down! The other guy comes in, he blasts that guy, then McLean, he jumps over the, under the table, and he's like, where are you going? Ah! You are done! No more table! Where are you going, pal? But why is the guy, like, shooting at the legs of the table, like, kind of taunting him? I, yeah, never, I, I never quite got that. I, it's like he had to deliver his monologue. That, yeah, he's like, next time you have a chance to kill someone. Next time you have a chance to kill someone. Don't hesitate. And then there's the cool. <laughs> shoots him like 16 times or something. <laughs> and then I love. Thanks for the advice. It is these really great squib shots, almost like Robocop quality. Yeah. Where it just, like, rips his legs apart. Oh, yeah. That, it's great. And uh, I'll never forget my friend Keith just like, man, badass. Like, he had to say it out loud at that point. <laughs> like, dude, you've already seen the movie how many times, but still he's like, oh, badass, man. And just, like, get off on it. Oh, dude, that was awesome. I still say badass. <laughs> he just shoots through the table all these times. I, that is a great scene where he just blows the dude away. I never understood why the, the conference table was zigzagged. Yeah, and he's like, dun, dun. And the directing is great in that scene, the camera movement and everything. Mm -hmm. And McLean, you know, he's trying to slide up the table as the guy's shooting at the table legs. Like, he hates tables, I think. I yeah, hate I tables. I hate zigzag tables. They're, they're ridiculous. They make no sense. <laughs> but I always say, where are you going? No more table. <laughs> I like that he calls him pal. Where are you going, American pal? Watch too much television. It's like, what? What is your? What is your problem with Americans and TV, man? Your table legs are too long. Your fast food and your your reality TV. <laughs> <I have laughs> Just problems. Every cliche. <laughs> but that's the best part when he's like uh, throws the body on the car, and he's like. Uh, that's when Reginald Bell Johnson starts freaking out. All right, yeah, yeah we get the, uh, the most, I'd have to say probably the most famous, most overused line from the movie. Well, one of even, them. Even more, well, yeah, one of them. But pretty, I think it's used I, more than Yuppie Kaye. Yeah, I say it all the time. I yeah, me too. Welcome to the party, pal. Anytime anybody joins the party on Xbox Live, I have to say. <laughs> Welcome to the party, pal. I want a picture of that over my toilet, but he's saying, Welcome <laughs> to the potty, pal. <laughs> Wouldn't that be oh, awesome? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the potty, pal. Uh, you know what's so sad, though? I would have that. Me too. That I would always, like, smile right before I'm about to sit down on uh, the toilet. I would say, thank you. I'll enjoy it. Oh, that McLean. He's always cracking me up. To turn my car to switch cheese. <laughs> Officer needs assistance. At I'm in Akatomi Plaza. They're turning my car into switch cheese. I need backup assistance now. Now, goddammit, now. But I was Keep back up. Now, goddammit, now. <laughs> 
that's a great scene because up until then, everyone thinks that uh, Al Powell in the audience, everyone thinks he's a fat jackass, right? Yes. So when he gets fired at and he's backing away because he didn't think anything was wrong, you're like, ah, oh, you got what you deserved. It's wild goose chase. <laughs> And then we have the great introduction of Thornburg. This is my story. I am here out there. Sam, all right, look, Sam, I tell you what. You don't want to give me a truck? I'll go and I'll steal a truck. Hey, give us a break, Thornburg. Eat it, Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's my favorite line, but still, I can't. Anytime I see William Atherton in a movie, I, I call him Dickless. He's, it's, <laughs> yeah. In my notes, it's I have true. Dickless is introduced. It's true. This man has no dick. <laughs> I can't help it. He's so great in so many movies as the he asshole. Is. Yeah, I mean, come on, real genius. So many of them. I, I, the best part about that, somebody goes, eat it, Harvey. And the guy looks at him and go, Harvey, we're on the air. <laughs> and he yeah, and Harvey has to, like, recompose himself. <laughs> yeah, it's great. because uh, And it's not the only time Harvey does something epically stupid. Right. Later on, he does a great line about... <laughs> Hel- about the Helsinki syndrome. What does he say? As in Helsinki, Finland. No, as in Helsinki, Sweden. Oh yeah, yeah. That's he gets it wrong. Early stages of the Helsinki syndrome. As in Helsinki, Sweden, Finland. The news producer like shakes his head like, like "Oh, oh. You're so stupid, <laughs> yeah, Harvey." And that's uh, Thornburg wants to take a news crew out there. Yeah, and this always confused me because uh, Thornburg hears the report over the radio. And it sounds like they're replaying Al Pal's call yeah. for help. And I guess this is, like, happening at the same time? Okay, yeah, that's what always confused me. Like, is it happening at the same time? It, or it is, is it- a little confusing. Because it's the only time in the movie, I think, where that happens, where time replays somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, maybe or, that's what it is. Or something. Yeah. But that's really good. Yeah. McLean has just shot two guys and thrown a guy out the window. They, the mm-hmm. other guys in Hans Gruber's bunch, they don't run up there at all. Do that, they know? Yeah, I don't know. They don't run to that floor at all. There's a guy in the roof who said something was happening. They ran there in the first place. He, well, I think they all have their jobs. The guys on the roof were too busy putting hundreds of things to see for there. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, he's there for a long time and then, you know... This is where McLean and Hans Gruber meet. You're most troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, Hans, wrong guess. Would you like to go for double jeopardy where the scores can really change? Alan Rickman knows he's not dealing with the stock character. He's dealing with the star of the movie at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, he's not is... a supporting character. You're much troublesome for a security guard. <laughs> wrong guess. So that whole scene, you know, it's like we've seen the movie so many times, it's just memorized, you know? Yeah. Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? <laughs> Fantastic scene. And then, of course, we get the yippee ki Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? yippee ki motherfucker. Mr. Falcon. Mr. Falcon. <laughs> oh, yoy. Yikes. But, uh, yeah, love it. Great stuff. Yeah. And uh, just the the whole pace of the movie is great at this point, I think. And it, it also, I like how at this point it um, they go back to Theo and it's like, it's it kind of is, is it ticks down, like how many more locks to go. 
Yeah. He's like three locks down, four to go. And they, they do that throughout the movie just to kind of – Yeah, where they keep cutting back to Theo. Yeah, update us in the timeline. I think that's that's a cool thing to do. And it's cool when all the cops show up and they introduce the great Paul Gleason as the Oh yes, Dwayne guy. Robinson. This is Dwayne Robinson. Or is he Dwayne T. Robinson? Yes. And you know what I noticed in this scene? I don't know if you did, but there's when the cops show up, all of a sudden there's lens flare all over the place. Yes, I was going to bring that up. There's lens flare everywhere. It is everywhere. And it's not – and from this point on, it's not just outside. It's inside. Mm-hmm. It's it's almost every scene there's lens flare. Yeah. I thought that was pretty crazy. Like even on like the fluorescent lights in the in the building. Yeah. And I think – is it at this point Holly figures out it's John causing all the trouble and – uh, Ellis is like, oh, damn it. He's going to screw everything up. What do you think? Something's wrong. Cops? John. John. Oh, Christ. He can fuck this whole thing up. What does he think he's doing? His job. Bullshit. His job's 3,000 miles away. Without him, we still have a chance we might be able to get out of here. Tell that to Takagi. Which I thought was pretty presumptuous of him, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is where it is. You know, one of the things I love is when they decide to, you know, first of all, Paul Gleason uh, doesn't believe anything that uh, Reginald Vell Johnson is saying. Or he's like, you, you don't know if you can believe this guy. For all we know, this guy is the terrorist. You know? yeah, he could be one of them. Yeah. He could be jerking your chain. He's the guy we need to hate throughout the movie. The audience does. You know? Yeah. The moment, well, he's just—I mean, come on, Paul Gleason just has that face, uh-huh. and he has like some he great plays lines. that smugness so well that the moment he shows up, it's like, oh, this is this guy's an asshole. And he has a hilarious line. He goes, "How do you know who that guy is that fell out the building?" He goes, "Well, who knows? It's probably some stockbroker got depressed." Yeah, <laughs> you know, so he has all these goofy lines like that. But my—I love when they send in the SWAT guys. I guess you know, they're like sending the guys. And they're all gung ho, and he, I love when he goes kick ass. Yeah, that's, I like my favorite part of the. Uh, and every time I see it, I laugh. Is they they're ready to send in these stock uh, the SWAT guys. Uh, the he says kick ass, and then as the SWAT guys are making themselves in, one of them gets held up on the uh, rose bushes. Yeah, he stops. He's like, oh jeez. He goes, ow. Yeah, yeah. He, like these are supposed to be tough SWAT guys, but he like gets pricked by a thorn. He's like, ow. Every time I see that, I laugh. Like, oh, <laughs> these guys are such Keystone cops. Yeah, they're screwed. Yeah, and, and this- you got you got all the guys. Uh, setting up the the like shutting down the uh, the security gates, and we've got Fu Manchu stealing candy bars, <laughs> stealing candy. <laughs> and that's when the the most annoying stuff with Theo. He goes, "Was uh, the night before Christmas? And all through the house, not a creature was stirring except the four assholes coming in the rear in standard two by two cover formation." Yeah, I know that line. Like, even though I can't stand it, I know it by heart. So, you know, the Fu Manchu guy, would Hans have yelled at him for stealing candy, you think? Absolutely. That's not your candy! <laughs> we're here for something else. And then he reveals the plot too early, and we're like, ah, he screwed everything up. Damn it. But I always thought he looks around, like, left to right, like, I hope no one sees me taking this candy. 
Even though I've got a machine gun and we've taken over the building, I'm still going to look around. <laughs> Is my mom here? Yeah, I know. It's just something that cute. Spoiling that they, my dinner. They came up with they thought it was cute, right? It has to be. But then they send in the RV. They send in the car. Yeah, send in the car. <laughs> send in the car. It's like, what? Wait, what car? I think it's funny the way the editing is when the guy goes, send in the car. They cut to the car and it's on its way right there. Uh, yeah. Well, what's this? Whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are we here, gentlemen? Police have themselves an RV. <laughs> and every time I hear that, I can't help but hear uh, Dennis Quaid in my head in uh, Christmas Vacation. Well, that there is an RV. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and then they, the two uh, the two German guys are up there with the rocket launcher. And it's like, yeah, I see him. There's yeah, so- yeah, I see him. Yeah, <laughs> the line cracks me up every time. Oh, I know. And uh, McLean's watching all this, and uh, I love when they first shoot it, and he's like, Hans, he's like, come on, you made your point? Thanks for the advice, cowboy, or whatever. And that, I love that whole scene where he is uh, decides to send the explosives down, you know, drop them down to the bottom, I guess, of the building. Yeah. I love that. And this is, this is where we get the... Uh, Quarterback is toast. Theo is so annoying, isn't he? He just loves commenting. He's doing nothing but sitting in a room mm-hmm. at the top of the building next to a drill. And uh, you got cops basically cooking in an RV. Where, where did Hans Gruber find this guy? This uh, I don't know. Annoying hacker guy who really has no empathy for other human beings. <laughs> He has, he has as long as he gets his bear bonds, he's happy. He's a monster. So the we got to talk about the explosion because it's yes. pretty incredible when he sends the C four down there, right when they're going to hit the cops again. So you take this under advisement, jerkweed. Geronimo, motherfucker. But uh, the explosion is awesome, and I still think it is. Like when I watch it on Blu-ray, I'm just like, "Oh, it rocks my whole house!" Oh man, it's awesome. The explosion, the sound effects, the sound design in this movie is so awesome. Except for the computer sound effects, we've done. Except well, obviously somebody else was on that work. The Whopper sound effects. Uh, We don't have time for that. Here, uh, here's VHS of uh, War Games. Just kind of record some sounds off of that. All right, you got it. But what's cool by then, are, are you counting how many people that uh, that McLean has killed? Up I've lost count by this point. He's he's well over five. Yeah, I know that uh, Al, he's like... Our spotters say you got two with that blast. So it's like, damn, who are those spotters? They're pretty good, aren't they? <laughs> Why aren't the spotters killing those guys? Uh, yeah, do they have sniper rifles? Sniper? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I love when... Uh, that's a great point where they also show that uh, Argyle is listening in on everything. 
you know, sitting in the limo because he's like, uh, there are people down here covered in glass. <laughs> glass? Who gives a shit about glass? Who the fuck is this? This is Deputy Chief of Police Dwayne T. Robinson, and I am in charge of this situation. Oh, you're in charge. Well, I got some bad news for you, Dwayne. From up here, that look like you're in charge of jack shit. You listen to me, you little asshole. I'm a- asshole. I'm not the one who just got butt fucked on national TV, Dwayne. <laughs> now you listen to me, jerk off. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Quit being part of the fucking problem and put the other guy back on. And I love you, like. <laughs> Like Argyle's so entertained by it. Argyle loves it. But it's funny, he's like that whole scene where uh, several times Al uh, turns the tables on Paul Gleason's character and he just walks away because he has nothing else to say. Yeah. And he's like, You mean to tell me if he lives, he's going to give a shit about what you're going to do to him when he gets out? You know? Man is hurting. He is alone, tired, and he hasn't seen diddly squat from anybody down here. Now, you're going to stand there and tell me that he's going to give a damn about what you do to him if he makes it out of there alive? Why don't you wake up and smell what you're shoveling? Oh, and another thing, I love that that line, you know, when the when uh, he sends the bomb down and blows up the guys, the rocket launcher guys, the guy goes, Here's the artillery on us. You idiot. It's not the police. It's him. I have I've used that line before. <laughs> yeah, whenever we're playing any kind of games like Battlefield, <laughs> yeah, you start, you start referring to Die Hard line. And it's the guy, the guy with the long brown hair. Yeah, he's kind of the dummy of the group. He's the he looks like he's a GQ model who they, yeah they needed an extra guy there and they just handed him a machine gun. He's like he oh. needs somebody below Carl. <laughs> yeah, I love that. They use artillery on us. Fantastic. And then we have the scene where uh, John tries to eat a Twinkie. He's trying to fire down a thousand-year-old Twinkie. What do they put in these things anyway? Sugar-enriched flour, partially hydrogenated vegetable oil, polysorbate 60, and yellow dye number five. Just everything a growing boy needs. All the all the things a growing boy needs. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny how, like, they, they kind of have this rapport they build, you know, McLean and Al. And he kind of teases him about his flat feet and his driving, you know? Yeah, it's really well done. Yeah, it is cool. You it's, actually believe it. These are scenes shot, obviously, separately. Mm-hmm. There's probably nobody on the other end of those radios. But uh, it's acted so well, it fits together perfectly. Right, they do a good job there where they're kind of just talking about things and uh, he's asking Al if he has any kids and his wife has one on the way. And then later on we get more of Al, but it's a more dramatic story. Yeah. But it sets the ground for stuff, which is cool. That's after Ellis goes into... uh... Oh, yeah, Ellis goes in to talk to Hans. Yeah, he thinks he can handle the Euro trash. You use a gun, I use a fountain pen. What's the difference? Let's put it in my terms. You're here in a hostile takeover. You grab us for some green mail, but you didn't expect some poison pill was going to be running around in the building. Am I right? Hans. Bobby. I'm your white knight. The only thing white about him is the coke on his nose. <laughs> yeah. What I love about uh, about that scene is before he goes in to get his uh, his uh, courage up, he takes a big snort of coke. <laughs> yeah. 
little white courage. Yeah, he's got some white powdered courage. The thing that always cracks me up is while he's in there bullshitting with Hans, one of the henchmen brings him a Coke and a glass. Yeah, and he pours it for him. It's like, yeah, this is uncomfortable. So hospitable, these guys. Aren't they nice? But yeah. I, I always think it's funny. He's like, John. Hey, John boy. Hey, John boy. Ellis? Yeah. Now listen, John. Give me a few minutes to try to talk some sense into you. I know you think you're doing your job, John, and I can appreciate that, but you're just dragging this thing out. Now look, no one gets out of here until these guys can talk to the L.A. police, and that just ain't going to happen until you stop messing up the works. Capiche? John has no idea what Ellis has said, so he doesn't know yeah. if he knows anything about his wife yet. What did you tell him, Ellis? And then he's like, when he goes like, John, if you don't tell him where the detonators are, he's going to kill me. And uh, it's like Hans is like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, yeah, that is a really good idea. I think I will, you annoying prick. Hans, this shithead does not know what kind of man you are, but I do. Listen. Good. Then you'll give us what we want and save your friend's life. You're not part of this equation. It's time you realize that. Hey, what am I, a method actor, Hans? (laughs) Babe, put away the gun. This is radio, not television. Hans, this asshole is not my friend. I just met him tonight. I don't know him. Jesus Christ, Ellis, these people are going to kill you. Tell them you don't know me. <laughs> John, how can you say that after all these years, huh? But it always drove me nuts, Paul Gleason's part, where he's like, do you see that? He just let him die. It's the same as pulling the trigger. Son of yeah, a bitch. That's where we get the, uh, you need to wake up and smell what shit you're shoveling. So it's interesting. They have all these dynamics. You have John and you have Hans, but you also have the cops outside. You've got Argyle. You got Theo on the uh, the drill. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do. You've got a lot of things in play here, and you've also got Thornburg too. By the way, yeah, the and border. it never loses its way. Yeah, they're they're bringing up all this, and then they introduce the FBI agents. Yeah, the great Robert Davi. A- on Agents Johnson and Johnson. I'm Agent Johnson. This is Special Agent Johnson. Oh, how you doing? No relation. Jake Fratelli is on the case. <laughs> yeah, I love that. No relation. But I love how they're like uh, so cocky about how they're handling everything. And that's exactly... Yeah, they're so by the book and arrogant. Yeah, and it turns out that's exactly what Hans is counting on for them to yep. be... To do everything that they do. And there's that great... Uh, line later when uh, they cut the power. Look, the mayor will have authorization. My ass. Authorization? How about the United States fucking government? Hey, lose the grid or you lose your job. <laughs> yeah. But he goes, uh, the bastards are probably pissing in their pants right now. The mayor's gonna have my ass. And they're not at all because no, they cause. counting on it. Yeah, that's what opens the vault. And that's. Yep, it shuts the time lock down. That is such a great scene when. Uh, Remember, he's like, Hans, you better have something quick because this came down like an anvil. And uh, he goes, you better have a miracle. He goes, relax, Theo. It's Christmas. It's time for miracles. And when they cut the uh, the power and the vault opens and they play the music. It's going to go.
the FBI agents think they're pissing themselves, but they're celebrating. (laughs) And you see all these paintings and statues and stuff. Well, we skipped we skipped all the way past the uh, um, when um, McLean was trying to figure out what the hell Hans was up to. Right, and he goes up to the roof. Yeah, and he see and Hans is up there also, and he introduces himself as Bill Clay. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Clay, Bill Clay. That's a great scene because the audience knows he's a Hans, but John doesn't know he's Hans. So, but John knows something's up. Yeah. There's just this there's this uh, uncomfortableness about it. What's great about that scene is you don't know how uh, Hans is going to react. At first you're like, oh, he's toast now. John's got the drop on him. But he's like, oh, God, please don't hurt me. And <laughs> you're you're like, doing what? that so well. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, please, God. No, you're one of them, aren't you? You're one of them. No, no. Don't kill me, please. No, please. Don't kill me, don't kill me, please. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Relax. Relax. I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. He's like, what? Oh, what? I'm not going to hurt you. I'm not going to hurt you. (laughs) It's so funny how he he switches to his American accent. He does that. That that whole scene is great, I think. It is. That they get to play off each other. and And that's whenever they find, you know, Hans learns so much about him right there in that, that he has no shoes. Uh-huh. And that's whenever they get to that room after uh, uh, Hans tries to shoot him. Or right. Hans tries and to shoot John. And How great is that scene? Also, he goes, you know how to fire a gun? And, he's, and the audience is just like, no, don't give yeah. him that gun. Yeah, to use a handgun, Bill. I spent a weekend at a combat ranch. You know that game with the guns that shoot red paint? Everything's kind of stupid to you. That's so great. And then uh, he goes, oh, no bullets. Well, 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 Hans. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. No bullets. Fucking stupid, Hans. You were saying? And that whole gunfight scene is insanely loud. Yeah. Remember- well, you got you got the bullets in that cannon that Carl has, and then the glass. Do you think that Paul Verhoeven loves the scene where he shoots the guy in the legs? Remember yes. how the guy's running, and you just see meat chunks falling oh, yeah, off his legs. That is brutal. I just I picture Paul Verhoeven watching Die Hard, going, "Oh yeah, yeah, I love it." He's <laughs> yeah. John McTiernan, man, genius. <laughs> this guy, I love him. Mwah, mwah. Genius. It's like John McTiernan saw uh, RoboCop that weekend. He was like, "I want something that gruesome in this scene." <laughs> yeah, that guy ain't walking again. And what's funny is he shoots him in the legs, crashes through the glass, and then he's just down. Yeah, he's dead like, at that point. That dude, yeah, he's he's not getting up from that. <laughs> She's some finster, Carl. Carl. She's some finster. Shoot the glass. I was watching the the movie really loud in my living room, and that scene where they're shooting on the glass, I was like, Jesus Christ, just like John McClane is. Yeah. Because I was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) 
but they handle this really well because they go from um, John looking at the exit and then looking at the glass, uh, and then that's it. And it, they move that flash bang. Another one of those stupid hockey pucks goes. <laughs> he's got a hockey puck. Another yeah, one. And John uh, John McLean's gone, but he leaves the uh, uh, the detonators behind. You know what? I, I just want a little cutaway scene where. Uh, Carl reaches into his bag and it's a ding dong package. Hostess, and he opens it up and pulls out the ding dong, and then they show the sliding over. That's yeah, too much deliciousness. <laughs> like, oh, wrong ones. He's got another one of those flash grenades. <laughs> so awesome. Relax, Carl. We're back in business. Boom. <laughs> I always love that that kind of like cello or whatever sound as Carl turns and he's pissed off because McLean got away. Smile, Carl. We're back in business. Yeah, and we he go back down to the lobby and he's pissed off and he. God, that man looks really pissed. Still alive. Only John can drive somebody that crazy. That kind of annoys me, that scene. I don't know if it's just her delivery or whatever. She's like... It's her delivery. It's John. Bonnie Padilla is not good in the movie. She's just not. She's... Yeah. I mean, I love Holly and everything, but... <laughs> she's... Wait. She's not as bad as Huey Lewis, though, Bill. No, she's not. But she's just not very good. Her best scene is near the end whenever her blouse is open. Yeah, I love that. Like, all of a sudden, she's uh, sexy. All of a yeah, sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden, she has cleavage. All of a sudden, I picture Joel Silver on the, the set, Bill, and he's like, we got to sexy this up. And he reaches over and just rips her blouse <laughs> rips open. Rips the top of her blouse open. And everyone just puts up with it because he's the guy in charge, but they're all uncomfortable. What are you doing, Bonnie? you got great knockers. <laughs> <laughs> I just picture that happening. I can't do I don't know Joel Silver personally, but no. I do understand that he likes the naked women. Yeah, he loves naked women, and he also loves that one architect guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what is his name? Shit, I can't believe I just blinked. <gasps> um, Frank Lloyd Wright? Yes, yes. Yeah. He's, he loves knockers and Frank Lloyd Wright. <laughs> knockers! <laughs> I love the knockers. <laughs> you got to show them, Bonnie. The big and pendulous. I love that. Now we have the uh, conversation he has with uh, he crawled. Uh, John McClane pulls himself in the bathroom. His that, feet are bleeding like crazy. When they show his feet slide in, uh, it looks brutal. Like how yeah. bloody his feet are. And I don't know why. I always think of he left tracks to where he is. But I guess all the terrorist guys are really busy right now. Yeah, you would think that they would, you know, Carl would stick around and track him. Yeah, but uh, honestly, all Carl had to do is walk through the door and follow the blood, and he could have killed him, couldn't he? Yeah, absolutely. He's pulling glass out of his feet. He gives Al a hard time about why he's driving a desk, and he's like, I shot a kid. He's 13 years old. Oh, it was dark. I couldn't see him. He had a ray gun look real enough. You know, when you're a rookie, they can teach you everything about being a cop except how to live with a mistake. Anyway, I just couldn't bring myself to draw my gun on anybody again. He shot a kid, and uh, that's why he's... 13-year-old kid, I remember. What what I love about this part of the movie is it establishes that Al... Never wants to have to pull his gun on a person again. He yeah. can't, Bill. Uh, I mean, he never wants to kill again. 
So maybe by the end of the movie, Al Powell will learn to take a human life again. And it'll Man, be I happy. really hope so. Isn't that funny how we celebrate that he learns to kill again? Yeah. And it reminds me of uh, He's learned the shot. true meaning of Christmas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it reminds me of Hot Shots. Miguel Ferry goes, thanks to you, Topper, I've learned to kill again. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's hilarious. It reminds me of that. God, I haven't seen that in so long. I gotta and watch. Then that. we have the total like Oscar clip for Bruce Willis, where he's like, "Tell her, tell her that um, that she is the best thing that ever happened to a bum like me." She's heard me saying "I love you" a thousand times. She never heard me say "I'm sorry." And I want you to tell her that, Alan. I want you to tell her that uh, John said. That he was sorry. Okay? You got that, man? You know, I was proud of her. Whatever he oh, says. Oh, yeah. That's a great... He's got, he's got tears in his eyes. He yeah. does it really well. It's a great acting scene. And I've always heard this, that um, Terry Gilliam saw that scene and knew he wanted him for 12 monkeys. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, but I have no idea if it's true. But <laughs> and maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But it still shows that Bruce Willis is more than just yeah. a, an action. Well, guy. hell, I bet a lot of directors probably saw that scene and were like, "Damn, this guy's got some chops." Yeah, I didn't. I just thought he sang bad music. David Addison, Seagram's Golden Wine Coolers. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> the Return of Bruno. But you also remember uh, when it cuts to the studio? They have the author of. Hostage, terrorist, terrorist, hostage. <laughs> yes. An author of Hostage, Terrorist, Terrorist, Hostage, A Study in Duality. Dr. Hasseldorf, what can we expect in the next few hours? Well, Gail, by this time, the hostages should be going through the early stages of the Helsinki Syndrome. As in Helsinki, Sweden. Finland. Jesus, Harvey. <laughs> That is a great scene. Harvey's and Harvey's reaction is so great because he knows he's stupid. Yeah. But he's fighting it desperately. Oh, and I love that scene where uh, the reporter comes back to uh, Thornburg and he goes, Christ, tell me you have something. <laughs> yes. You got something. Tell me you got something. Remember that scene where uh, John is in the bathroom or whatever, and he's crying or whatever. He also goes, the roof. Hans, what the hell were you doing on that roof? And he's got to, like, go back and see what it is. Yeah. And, and remember, I saw this movie six times in the theater, and it never failed. I know I'm cutting a little bit ahead here, but I'll, I'll stop after I make this point, which is when John, he lifts up and he pulls up to see what's up on the roof, and you see all the C4. Yeah. I swear, every time I saw the movie in the theater, you would either hear someone go, <laughs> or they go, Oh man, shit, C4. You know, you'd see here somebody. Why is it that people have to do that? Like they go, oh shit. Or, you know, That's like, what the movie is telling us. Why do we? Why does somebody have to vocalize it? Oh shit, man, that's enough C4. Holy shit! You know, it's <laughs> like, all right, everyone's impressed by yes. your knowledge of C4. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, there's always some loud mouth like that in the theater. They yeah. can't. They can't either. It's the person that laughs, laughs too loud or wants to laugh louder than everyone else, or yeah, you know, just can't keep their mouth shut. Right. What was that? The last movie I saw, there was a, one of those like reaction scenes. He's like, God damn. I was like, yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. That was one of those. Like, just whenever you see that scene now where he looks at the C4, just go. 
Ooh, that's some explosives there. Man, that explosion's going to be huge. Right. So basically, Hans's idea is to... They've got the vault open, they've got all the stuff, and they are I believe they're going to take it all in an ambulance, right? Yeah. They're going to take all of the hostages to the roof and do an exchange with the FBI. But in reality, what they're going to do is blow the roof, killing the FBI agent and all the hostages, and escape in an ambulance, and they will spend... Uh, a year sifting through the rubble. When they touch down, we'll blow the roof. They'll spend a month sifting through the rubble, and by the time they figure out what went wrong, we'll be sitting on a beach earning 20%. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. I remember I remember that so well because for a while it was like, man, what's 20% of 640 million? Yeah. So, okay, so they put it in a bank in there. You know, they don't even have to spend the money. They can just spend the interest. Man, he's got this shit all worked out, doesn't he? He's amazing. <laughs> so I'm trying to think. Oh, and when uh, John McClane, you know, he sees all the explosives and he hops down. He's like, pal, pal, listen to me. It's a double cross. The whole roof of the building fired. John. John. John, come in. Did you get that? Yeah. Some about a double cross. And right then, Carl's there with his <laughs> machine gun. With that that skinny gun barrel pressed to his cheek. Yeah, and he's like, uh, what did he say? Some about a double cross. Yeah, tell me about it. And that's one of the best lines, too, where I love it. He goes, <laughs> This flag fucking Saigon! Basic! I was in junior high, dickhead. I was in junior high, dickhead. <laughs> I love that. I love Robert Davi in that. He's he's he has that line earlier too, where he's like, uh, "On whose authority?" He goes, "How about the United States fucking government?" <laughs> All you this- almost feel bad that they get taken out so unserious, ceremoniously. I know they just, but you know, you end up disliking them so much because they decide to open fire on McLean, you know? Yeah, they're like, oh, who is that guy? But we're, take, we're taking fire. But they also determine, he goes, Figure we take out the terrorists, lose 20, 25% of the hostages. Tops. I can live with that. Yeah, they're in the helicopter discussing the stats of success and fatalities. Yeah, he goes, 20, 25% of the hostages. I can live with that. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay. What an asshole. <laughs> well, you know, that's the government. Now, so what do you think of this whole McLean and Carl fight? I thought it was rather convenient. I mean, it's, like, it, it's, it's pretty brutal. I it's like a how, brutal fight, but it ends in such a, like, where the hell did that chain come from? <laughs> well, I love the way uh, McLean, he's exhausted at this point, but he's sick of dealing with this asshole. <laughs> He's like, yeah. you should have heard the sound your brother made when I broke his friggin' neck. Wait, there's this... <laughs> the fight itself is so... It's like you said, it's brutal, but through the entire fight, McLean vocalizes it. Like, he's like... Uh, Carl's, like, doing drop kicks and judo chops. And- oh, doesn't McLean... Doesn't he go like, I'm gonna... Yeah, he's like saying all these things. Yeah, I mean, it's just constant verbalization while they're 
getting the shit beat out of one another. Honestly, and- Carl should have had the drop on him. Oh, yeah. Because he even shoots him. Remember, yeah. he picks up his gun and he shoots. I don't know if he, he shoots him in the shoulder. Yeah. He's been shot and he's also beat up. He's got bloody feet. And Carl, he's. I think up until then, he's fine. He hasn't taken any damage, right? No. But still, McLean kicks his ass. Well, they just happen to be, while they're fighting on the stairs, you know, there just happens to be a chain there connected to a pulley. I love the way he slides down the stairs, too, to gain momentum as he's yeah. sliding him. And then he slams into the wall. And I still think this to this day, when he slams into the wall, it's like, that wouldn't kill him. But of well, course. Really? I thought, you know, I thought for, like, I don't know if it killed him, but it, it, it well, he's going to be dead well, from suffocation. Let, let me ask you this. He's got the chain wrapped around him, and he slid yeah. into the wall. He's knocked unconscious, right? Mm-hmm. The roof gets blown, like, minutes later. How, how does he survive? Well, you know, when at the end, whenever he's um, he comes back for the final scare, he's all charred. Right. So... I don't, maybe well, I he's a little banged up and stuff, and he's got a blanket on, but but he looks <laughs> charred. It looks like he's burnt, like his face is burnt. You know what also bothers me? I'm skipping way too far ahead, but okay, <laughs> okay. McLean, this is what I love. After he uh, kicks Carl's ass and he goes up, the Fu Manchu guy is coming down. You know, he's freshly eating candy bar. He's taking all the. The hostages up on the he's roof. Got, he's got a sugar rush. I absolutely love the gun sounds as he opens the door and McLean shoots him like 15 times or something. He was like... And there's this, there's this splatter. Yeah. That's, that's really, really brutal. I just love how he unloads on him right as he walks Because he opens the door and he, he kind of goes, huh? He does. He's some great acting in the movie. Wait, first. I'm eating my candy. Yeah, the candy. He's like, I want a flashback in that scene to him stealing the candy bar and he, in his belief in karma and how he deserves to die like this because of stealing <laughs> that candy bar. Because he stole the candy. Yeah, he never. He could have just left fifty cents on the counter. <laughs> I know, but now he gets what was coming to him, man. He shouldn't have stolen that candy, so he's dead. But yeah, you know, John goes up there and he's like, "Where's Holly? Where's Holly?" Special Agent Johnson and other Agent Johnson, they're like, uh, he's op- uh, one of the terrorists <laughs> firing <laughs> on the hostages. Smell that sucker! I love that whole roof sequence, by the way. Just the, It's insane. The tying of the, the water hose and everything. Well, first, he's being chased around as they're shooting at him, so he can't go da- back downstairs the way he came. There's just no, no. time. So that whole, uh, oh, and the worst line in the movie by Huey Lewis is in the acting. Remember, all the hostages are running down the stairs because McLean sent him. He goes, there's something wrong. They're coming back down. Blow the roof. The car's up there. Blow the roof. <laughs> and his gesture, he's the worst actor I've ever seen in a motion picture. 
he must be uh, he, he must be related to someone involved with production. He has to. He's the I want my bike. I want my bike. <laughs> yeah, girl. I've only seen, I've only seen him in one other movie. Oh really? I thought this was only his only film. You're gonna crack up when I tell you the other movie. <laughs> what? Action Jackson. No. He played one of the henchmen in Action Jackson. I guess that's only appropriate. Oh my god. He must be a stunt man or something. That's He's only gotta be think. like, hey, you want you wanna be in the movie? Yeah, okay. He's related to Hal Needham. I can do a southern accent. Yeah, perfect. That'd be great. <laughs> that's a great accent. <laughs> There's something wrong. They're coming back down. Oh man, it's so bad. <laughs> God, it's so bad. You have a real problem with this man. Oh, I hate him. Whenever I watch, <laughs> whenever I watch a movie, I'm just like, oh, oh, it's too funny. <laughs> so they have the great scene where the roof blows and it takes out the FBI guys. And oh, John, what the fuck are you doing? I love that whole falling down with the fire hose and. Just making it in through the window by shooting the glass. Oh, and I love that, too, when he has to kick away and then use his gun to shoot through the glass. Uh, the sound effects there, too. I love them. Love it all. The and then as he makes it in, the, the um, fire hose comes free and starts pulling him out. That part still puckers my ass. <laughs> That's great how it starts pulling him. Because it's like after he just lived through that, oh, another dangerous thing is happening now. <laughs> and then as the the uh, helicopter's crashing down along the side of the building, cut to uh, Paul Gleason going, going to need some more FBI guys, I guess. Yeah, that's a great line. And also, I also love when uh, the elevator goes, boom, and then blows up. out over everything it's great and we can't forget that uh, thornberg has gone to the house and threatened the housekeeper with calling oh ins God. because yeah. I, I forgot about that whole scene it's great when they're talking to the daughter on the news and hans looks over and sees holly looking intently on the news he's like wait wait a second and i love the music there the what it does is like This is McLean. How nice to make your acquaintance. McLean with her? Oh my god, they're married? Love yeah, it. you're like, oh shit. And the then, poor little girl. Come home. Okay, and then when he grabs her and he decides he's going to take her hostage, boom, cleavage. Yep. All of a sudden there's cleavage. She's well. She's in peril, so her boobs need to be in peril also. <laughs> her boobs are in peril. <laughs> I don't love when she goes. After all of this, all of your speeches and your fancy suits and your book. After all your posturing, all your little speeches, you're nothing but a common thief. I am an exceptional thief, Mrs. McLean. And since I'm moving up to kidnapping, you should be more polite. I'd say so. And then the fact that he's adding kidnapping to the list. Yeah. But that whole scene where, you know, he's like, Hans! <laughs> Hans! Wait, do you like that scene where he's wondering what to do? He has two two bullets, right? Yeah. 
And he looks down and he sees the tape and it does like jump cuts to the tape. Like what? Yeah. Like what? He's yeah, gonna... I didn't. Yeah, it's it doesn't. You don't get what the hell it is. Like, is he like, he has two bullets left, left, and tape. Is he going to tape the bullets to something? Yeah. What is he? He's going to MacGyver something, or he's going to wrap his gun and send it to somebody? Or <laughs> season's greetings. Yeah, Hans here. Open this now. Shoot yourself. So when uh, that part where Hans comes, I mean John comes in there and he hits the kid, and they also don't forget. Argyle downstairs sees Theo loading up the <laughs> the ambulance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He pulls the ambulance out of that big box truck. Right. He's like, what the hell? Don't you love that when he punches him? He kind of Theo goes like, oh, makes like this whimper. <laughs> yeah. Theo's <laughs> a punk. Thing oh. Argyle shaking his hand. Yeah. He's oh. Like, oh man. That was a really tough punch. I didn't know I was that strong. That was like punching solid milk chocolate. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let me get back in my car and jam to some music. Dun, dun, Cue's up running DMC again. Let me call my girlfriend and say, I just punched this guy. What does he say earlier in the movie? Are there some... Uh, <laughs> I knew a few mama, mama bears we can hook up with or something. Yes, because <laughs> of the big stuffed teddy bear. Right. Or is he married? He's married. So anyway, cut back to this scene. When, um, okay, John has showed up and he's got his machine gun and Hans grabs Holly, right? Yes. So he's got a gun to her. And her breasts. Yes. So <laughs> cut to Huey Lewis. There's a, he's right there next to a uh, dolly or something, right? Yeah. And his gun is hanging on it. So he holds up his hands, right? But mm-hmm. he stands there. He looks down at his gun like, okay, my machine gun's there. And then he looks back up at John. He does it in the most obvious way possible, right? Yeah, I'm totally not going for this gun. Yeah, it's the worst acting I've ever seen. Again. <laughs> All he's got to do is look down, notice his gun, You're look so back. You're so mean. <laughs> he's got to just seem not seem obvious about it. But he's extremely obvious about it. Might you have to nuke the whole building, Hans. Well, when you steal $600, you can just disappear. When you steal $600 million, they will find you unless they think you're already dead. Okay, I want to talk about this scene because forever, it's I've thought it was weird. And I swear I've seen it in other things, but I could not name what other movies or TV shows I've seen it is. Okay. It's when John McClane does a Jedi mind trick on Hans with mm-hmm. his laugh. He does the... What was it you said to me before... Yippee Kaye, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 And he's like, (laughs) and then they're all like, oh, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Let's all laugh. And they all start laughing. And you can even see Holly's like, what the hell is going on here? You know, like even her breasts are laughing. Now, is McLean using the force there? Yes. That's what I thought. He's using the force. He's Jedi mind trick causing him. He's uh, doing a laugh 
force push on them. Exactly. Uncontrollable laughter. And then, you know, she elbows Hans. And then what I think is funny about that scene is he pulls his gun off his back. You know, they do the reveal like, oh, he's got a gun. He shoots Huey Lewis. Thank God. Yes. Boom. One shot to the head. Right in the friggin' forehead, you bastard. Die, you son of a bitch. That's the power of love. (laughs) (laughs) You want a new drug? That's your drug. (laughs) I'm sorry. want some lead. I'm so happy to be stuck with you, dead. <laughs> I got nothing. So anyway, he kills the worst actor. So this is it. <laughs> that would be great. He takes a gunshot to the head. He goes, so this is it. <laughs> Drops dead. That would have been great. Only people who thinks he looks like Huey Lewis would get the joke. Yeah. Everyone thinks he looks like Huey Lewis. (laughs) Since I was nine years old, I've thought he looked like Huey Lewis. There's something wrong. They're coming back down. Oh, God. Whenever I think of that scene, it drives me crazy. Oh, I have 50 bucks on this game. You know what? I think I don't like Die Hard anymore because of him. I hate the movie because of him. That bastard. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. I love Die Hard. He doesn't quite ruin the movie, but he almost (laughs) does. He comes close. That son of a bitch. So, <laughs> so uh, we have Hans crashing through the window in a great scene, isn't it? Where he's he holding, holding on to the watch. The watch. Show him the watch. Remember? Yes. Yeah, show him the watch. The Rolex. What? Wait. What does that symbolize, though, Bill? Think about it. Losing a really expensive watch. <laughs> well, you've got to take her job. Her career yeah. was more important up until now, but now she's removing the watch, representing her career as it careens to the ground. Out of control. <laughs> with Hans. spiral. By the way, her job is ruined anyway, isn't it? Uh, I guess they could rent an office space somewhere, right? Well, I, yeah, I have a feeling Nakatomi Plaza is going to be uh, under some sort of investigation for a while. Undergoing renovation. It has no roof anymore. <laughs> It has no roof. It has no, what was it, like the fifth floor completely blown out. Yeah. Have you noticed, why is there so much, like, printer paper falling from the sky? I put this in my notes. You know, the dickless news van arrives. John and Holly make their way out. And there's blank, white, and green paper. Yeah. What? Is it the printer room was up on the roof or something? Is it all white and green collated paper? Yeah. I don't understand that. But I... I can't skip over the fact that I do love this shot of Hans Gruber falling to his death. For some reason, I always thought he fired his gun as he was going down, but he doesn't. I just love Alan Rickman's face in that scene because that's all you stare at. Like, he's like, oh, shit, you know? Yeah, and it's a really well done shot because it doesn't look that bad. Yeah, and like, then the mat doesn't look bad at all. And you get another Paul Gleason line. Oh, I hope that's not a hostage. Yes, <laughs> he's falling to his death. Splat. And then they all kind of do that grimace, like, oh. You love that in movies. But I always love the scene where they're coming out and they play the music. You know, everything. It's almost like it's snowing, but it's paper. I guess that maybe that's what they were going for. All the papers. Green and white snow. Be like snow. Yeah. And you see uh, John. He's there with Holly. And he sees uh, Sergeant Al Pal. (laughs) He's like, Al? He's like, "Mm mm-hmm. In my youth. 
But uh, then he's they laugh and they hug. They, <laughs> and don't you love the sound that uh, Bruce Willis does? He's like, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> yeah, it is. Alice, my wife, Holly, Holly Gennaro. Holly McLean. Hello, Holly. You got yourself a good man. You take good care of him. I love that. Okay, here's a, where I have a problem. Uh-oh. When Carl comes out, played mm-hmm. played by, uh, we can't forget this actor's name who played Carl because he's no longer with us, Alexander Gudinoff. Yes. No longer with us. He uh, He's covered in a blanket. <clears throat> if you watch that scene over again, you hear a loud scream when they turn around before he's even revealed himself. <laughs> have you ever noticed that? I have. He hasn't revealed himself yet, and someone's like, ah! Okay, here's my other problem. <laughs> why does he still have his gun? <laughs> he still has his machine gun. Why, why did they not take the gun off of the body if they assumed it was dead? And I've heard that that I read this, and I, it makes sense that that music right there when Carl does that is not by Michael Kamen. It's James Horner, an unused part from Aliens. Oh. And if you listen to that music right there in that scene where he uh, Carl's like, you know, she's like, ah! And he's like, done, pulls a blanket, he's got his machine gun there. It doesn't sound anything like the rest of the score of the film. No, it doesn't. It doesn't fit. So I tend to agree that it kind of sounds like aliens. But hmm. uh, this is where Al learns to kill again. <laughs> He's like, I thought I'd never be pulling this again. Oh hell, why not? Takes his ass out. And Take apparently, out this... he uses a dirty Harry's gun. Yeah, and I love the the gunshot sounds. It's like. Boom, clack, boom, clack. Yeah, no other gun sounds like that in the whole movie. No. It's like... It sounds great. Yeah. And uh, John is very thankful. Of course, as as he should be. Oh, and right before that happens, of course, I forgot about when uh, <laughs> when Paul Gleason is like, we're going to have... We, I need to have a word with you, McLean. Yeah, we need to have a debrief. Yeah. <laughs> And you're like, oh, hell no. He's the hero of the film. You're not going to treat him like that. But I guess, luckily, Carl attacked at that moment, and it all got kind of pushed aside. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And it also saved him from getting punched by McLean, too, because he was pulling back about to punch Oh, yeah. He's about to deck him in the face. And then we have Argyle return. He crashes through the gate, which he could have done a long time ago, couldn't he? Since well, he, I don't think he wanted to damage the car, but now that it's damaged, he might as well just do it. Yeah, it's like, oh, what the hell? And then uh, they get in the limo, and everything's great, isn't it? Oh, no, no. you're forgetting when Holly punches Dickless. Oh, yeah. Mr. McClain, Mr. McClain, now that it's all over after this incredible ordeal, what are your feelings? <laughs> 
that is always a great Thornburg. I, for some, I just can't get the name out of my head. Eat it, Harvey. Eat it, Harvey. But it, that's a great scene, isn't it? When she punches him, it is. That's still she right hooks him, man. It's and great. I love that it's from the point of the view of the news camera that she does it. You know. Yeah. Did you get that? And he's like, did you get that? <laughs> did you get that? <laughs> and when uh, Argyle comes cr- crashing through the gates, I love how Al still has his gun. He's like turning around. He's <laughs> like, no, calm down, Al. It's like, it's he's, okay. he's with me. He's with he's me. With me. He's going to play me some rap music on the way home. And Argyle's like, this is your idea of Christmas. I got to be there for New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the weather outside was frightful. And shouldn't that have been the sequel to Die Hard on New Year's that same year? That yeah. Same month. Yeah. I mean, sure, McLean would have been sore with a bullet wound and stuff, but he would have been okay. Oh yeah, if he, you know, his feet, he'd be in gigantic boots. <laughs> yeah. For his feet. Yeah, just soak those in ointment a couple of days, and he's fine. Poor, you know, it, when you start thinking about the sequel, it's just like, oh, why? Yeah. It's it's so piss poorly written. It makes no sense whatsoever. The thing about uh, Die Hard 2, uh, was it Die Harder? Die Hard 2, Die Harder? I think they dropped the Die Harder before release. Right. Is It was all over those. I remember the theater stand-in, too. It was the Die Hard 2, Die Harder, and it was um, uh, John McClane in the uh, uh, the ejection seat. Right. Which I won't even talk about that scene. Jesus. In the movie? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Or maybe I should. Remember, he gets in the, the ejection seat and they start throwing grenades. How long does it take for those grenades to explode? Hmm. A good minute? Yeah. I think they had an extra long timer. <laughs> so they, uh, according to IMDb, the budget of Die Hard was $28 million. Okay. And it made $137 million Holy shit. Worldwide. So it was successful. Yeah, more. Yeah, that's very successful. It made some cashola. But uh, I, I really love Die Hard, and I can watch it. Like, you and I were talking about great Christmas movies. Die Hard is definitely a Christmas movie, isn't it? Oh, it absolutely is. It's, it's, it's so laced with Christmas imagery and... Uh, the setting, even the music. It, just... it even it ends with Let It Snow. Yeah. And I always sit through the whole credits because after Let It Snow, it goes into Ode to Joy. Yeah. Which is awesome to crank that up really loud. So it's really cool. And to yeah, have... we may nitpick it and make fun of it, but that's just the, the joy of it and the yeah. growing old with the film. I'm mostly nitpicking it, the Huey Lewis guy, you know. I have no what's problem the, with a lot of the action. You know, sometimes what that guy's real name is. What's his, what's his name in the movie? Oh, I don't even know. It's, Huey, right? Yeah, his name is Huey in the movie. <laughs> oh, it's hilarious. I remember a guy, Marco. <laughs> and then Franco. It was Marco Franco Theo. Oh, his name is Eddie in the movie. Is it Eddie? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I was just looking. I wanted to look him up to see... Uh, what else he's been in? Oh, he's been in a lot of things. I now he just looks like an old uh, Huey Lewis. Let's see, there it is. Action Jackson, Die Hard. He was in an episode of Who's the Boss. Oh, it looks like he's been in a lot of TV shows. Yeah, a lot of TV in the eighties. Yeah, luckily, I mean, how did this guy get work? Jesus, oh, he, he was in Sniper too. Oh hell yeah! 
Awesome. He saw Night of the Living Dead 3D reanimation. Oh my god. Wow. I'm gonna have and to check that out. He's he's tall zombie. Yeah, he plays the role of tall zombie. That's pretty And he was in is, Race to Witch Mountain. Is tall zombie related to Rob Zombie? I don't <laughs> know. I think that's his young brother. His taller brother, much taller brother. Oh no, Jeffrey Combs is in this. <laughs> oh, come on. But uh, guys, we've traveled back to the year 1988 to uh, visit Die Hard, and we hope you have all enjoyed this. Basically, we were just geeking out over everything, weren't we? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, geeking out and making fun and just having fun with it because it's just such a a fun geeky movie. It's I love the one of our favorites. The scope of Die Hard, the way it was filmed, the you know the anamorphic picture on the Blu-ray is awesome. It's for, gorgeous. For so many years, we had to watch shitty full-screen Die Hard on cable with the camera pan and scanning. It was horrible, terrible. I can't. I still can't get over that. That's how I initially experienced it. And oh, although yeah. I can watch it projected on a uh, big screen, it's still. I don't know. It's not quite. I would love to see it like 35 millimeter print on a big screen one day. Yeah, you want to see it in 70 millimeter, bud. <laughs> nice. Was it in 70 millimeter? Yeah. Big wow. time. Just like the guy said, bag it. Big time. Big time. <laughs> you know, now I'm going to have to use big time on everything. It's just nonsensical way. Bag it. Big time. Big time. I love it. But uh, Die Hard, love it. John McTiernan, I don't think he's ever made a movie that has lived up to Die Hard. Yeah, has he ever recovered from Die Hard? No, he did Die Hard with a Vengeance. I'm not even getting into that. (laughs) Let's just say, one thing about Die Hard, uh, forget the sequels, it stands on its own. Yeah, it doesn't need sequels. When when I watch Die Hard, I never think, oh man, now I'm going to watch Die Hard 2. I never think that. No, never. I'm always like, yeah, Die Hard, good. Okay, let me put it away. Now I'll watch Big Trouble in Little China or something like that. I never think, all right, now i got to continue this storyline and pop in Die Hard 2. It's it's the same as RoboCop. Yeah, you never end RoboCop and go, all right, time for RoboCop 2. Oh, man, where's he going to go next? (laughs) Yeah, where is this big epic storyline going to go? Yeah, no, I never think that way at all. I'll I'll watch RoboCop 2 when it's on cable or something, but... (laughs) Yeah, I'm not putting it in on purpose. Right. I just hear... I just watch it to hear, Kane! Oh, man, I need my nuke! (laughs) Awesome. Well, Bill, it's been great talking about Die Hard, and uh, who knows what movies... We'll travel back in time to visit, but we hope that uh, everybody got a kick out of it. Yeah, it's I love watching these movies again. They all still hold up, man. Still entertaining. And what's great is, like, you and I didn't know each other at the time, but we both grew up watching these movies over and over again, and we can, like, relate to it years later, you know. Absolutely. And laugh at the same things. Fantastic. Big time. Yeah, big time. <laughs> All right, everybody. We'll see you next time. And uh, if you want to leave any comments, go to our nimforum.com or uh, find us on Facebook. We'd love to hear what you think of Die Hard and this show. All right, everybody. See you next time. And bag it for me. Big time. Bag it. Big time. 
This is podcasting. 